So this morning we're going to talk about the gospel. And so that's no big surprise to most of you who have uh, been here or heard me speak before. But we, we need to be careful because uh, Christians are funny. We do have our own little Christian language. I remember in my college group, there was a bunch of Christians, and we said, we've got to be careful not to speak Christianese. It's a language that Christians love to speak that is foreign to the world around us in many ways. So in uh, the, the word gospel, we can kind of, we just throw that word around and use it, but forget what we mean when we say gospel. And so if I say nothing new to you this morning, then I'm okay with that. And don't be disappointed. What I want you to hear is the same language and the same word, but in a way that I hope by the time we're done here, we can communicate to the world around us in our words and in our actions that, that this gospel idea is uh, something very real and active in our lives. So, um, oh, because it's the only hope for the world. That's it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for the whole world. So when we say gospel, we have to understand this and what is it and what does it do. So, and, and, and the other thing working against us is people use the word gospel in different ways in the world around us. So I, sometimes you'll hear somebody say, oh, don't take that as gospel. Or that, you can take that as gospel. Well, they, they're using it as a synonym for truth. Like, okay, this is certain or it's true. And when I use the word gospel, I'm talking about something that I believe is certain and true, but I'm, I'm not using that as a, as a synonym. So while I believe it's true, that's not the essence of the gospel. Uh, other people use the word gospel as a synonym for Christian or anything that's generally Christian teaching. So gospel would be, you know, love your neighbor as yourself or do unto others as you would have done to you or any kind of Christian value or teaching, call that gospel. Now, I believe those things flow from the gospel, but those things themselves and those teachings and a Christian, a Christian way of life is not the gospel itself. So that's not what I'm talking about. Nor, obviously, am I talking about a style of music. So gospel is a musical genre. So you could go on Spotify and click on gospel, and it will play a certain style of music, uh, which I enjoy, but that's not what I'm talking about here. The word gospel literally means good news. It is a news, it is an announcement of something that has been done. The announcement, the good news announcement of the gospel is that, is that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus came and he's ushering in this kingdom. And the way that he ushered it in was he came, he took on human flesh, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross. And Jesus died of death, but he rose again from the dead, victorious over even death. And what happened in his death and resurrection was that Jesus took sin and all of the wrath of God that sin deserves on himself. And it, he took it. He bore it for us. And he rose again from the dead, defeating death, defeating all those things, and bringing new life, the new life of God's kingdom, to life. So when I say gospel, I'm talking good news. It's an announcement of something that's been accomplished. Jesus accomplished it in his coming and in his death and in his resurrection. It will continue to accomplish it in his return. So when I say gospel, that's what I'm talking about. Now in our text today, 
The gospel is something that grows and bears fruit. In verse 6, it says, um, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world. So if the gospel is a news message that's growing, isn't that a bad thing? And Christians have been accused of this. Is, is the gospel a message that has sort of grown and gotten bigger and, em, say, embellished over time? Or as my father-in-law would say, you know, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. You know, that Jesus did and said some amazing things, and over time, Christians made them more amazing and greater, the way they talked about Jesus and sort of deified him, and it evolved into this big, grand message that we celebrate today. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what happened to me at the time back a number of years ago when I took a group of, of adults and students from this church to Mexico on a mission trip. And it was back, some of us had cell phones. It was long enough ago, it was probably uh, eight, ten years ago. And it was more than that, it was like 12 years ago. Anyway, a number of us had cell phones, and I don't think anybody had what would be called a smartphone. And I had a whole bunch of students and adults and then nervous parents at home, and we were traveling from Boston, we had a layover in Houston, and then we're flying to El Paso and driving to Mexico. And that was the goal we are going to serve there. And what happened was, in Boston, they gave us two boarding passes. They gave us the one to get on the plane to get to Houston, and the second boarding pass to get from Houston to El Paso. And what happened, somewhere along the first flight, Joey lost his second boarding pass. And he was very upset, because all the kids started to think, oh no, Joey's not going to be able to get from Houston to El Paso because he lost his boarding pass. What are we going to do? Well, what you do is very simple. You go to the counter in Houston and say, Joey lost his boarding pass. They print a new boarding pass for Joey, and he gets on the plane, which is what happened. However, in the meantime, phone calls were made back to Andover, Massachusetts. And the news was that this news of Joey losing his boarding pass and he's not going to be able to get there. And now parents in Andover are very nervous. One, because they entrusted their children to me to take them to a foreign country, which <laughs> how that even happened, I don't know. But so nervous parents, so the nervous, nervous students and everybody's nervous and the news is spreading around. One parent calls another parent. That parent calls Pastor Jack in the office. The news went from Joey lost his boarding pass to a student got left behind in Texas when the rest of the team went to Juarez, Mexico. That's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about the gospel, I'm talking about a news message that is true. And the truth of that message does something. It grows and it bears fruit in the life of the one who hears it, it understands it, and it does something, and it changes us. That's the type of gospel growth, good news growth that we're talking about. This is the type of growth that the Apostle Paul, as he's writing this letter, is reflecting on in the life of, these, of this church, this young church in Colossae. And I want to explore this a bit together. So let's, let's pray as we approach God's word. So Father God, as we look into your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be very active to help us to understand your heart and, and your way. Without you, this is all very hollow, but because you are here, 
And because you are active in our hearts and in this place, this, Lord, is, is a place where you will do your work. So we just humbly pray that your kingdom would come even in our lives during this time. We give it to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, he, so here we have the Apostle Paul writing to this church in Colossae. He did not plant the church. He, he, he didn't know these people. He had only heard about their faith from another man who he had worked with at another church. And what was happening was this gospel, good news message, was, was growing and it was effective. And things that grow and are healthy and are mature, they reproduce. So a healthy plant will grow and bear a fruit or a seed and it will reproduce. That's how you know a, a plant has reached maturity. A, a, a human, when it reaches a certain age, can reproduce another human. This is mature things reproduce. And this growth of the gospel in their lives, Paul is so grateful for. And he tells them at the beginning of his letter how grateful he is. And it's a very customary kind of a greeting where you say, you know, this is Paul, and I'm with Timothy, and I'm writing to you, and, and I'm thanking God for you. That's a very customary way to begin a letter, but it's not perfunctory or just obligatory. What he is thankful for is so real and good and foundational in their lives that it really lays the foundation for the rest of what he's about to teach them. For us, this same growth is a very important concept because Listen, you get up every day and you can pursue all kinds of things. And you can, you're, you're doing life. And you're building, you're learning things. You're building into maybe your children's life or you're building into something you're doing as a, in your company, in your work. Or you're, you're, do, you're accomplishing whatever it is that you're doing in each day. But is the growth and development in your life, is it in line with what God designed for you, the God of the universe? He's in control of that. So what it is that is growing is important in our lives, considering all the things we could pursue, considering all the things we could accomplish. So the first, first thing is what is the source of the growth? And the source of the growth is the gospel itself. It's this good news message. And that's why it's so important for us to define it clearly that the gospel is the news, that the kingdom of God is at hand in Jesus, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. It, it's, it really does separate the Christian faith from all other systems of faith and belief. And I've heard it said, I don't know if you've heard, but someone could say, well, aren't all religions essentially the same? You know, isn't, isn't faith just about connecting with the divine? You know, that there is spiritual forces or God, you know, beyond what we can see. And different religions have different ways of connecting with the divine. And the hope is that connection will help you to live a good life, a life where you love your neighbor, so you love God and you love your neighbor, and you just do well and make the world a little bit better. Maybe, it has, maybe your afterlife or your next life will be better too. Uh, isn't that essentially what all major religions teach? And while there is some similarity of those things, Jesus is a dividing line. Jesus separates himself from all those systems because Jesus did not come and say, here is a way of connecting with God. Here is a system of uh, a path. Here is a, a way to love your neighbor. He said, 
I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am love. That the gospel is not about what God commands. The gospel is the news about what God has accomplished. It's not what God commands, what God has offered. So it's much more synonymous with the word grace, which means gift. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. When they heard and understood the gospel, they were hearing and understanding the grace of God. Meaning it's nothing that they could have accomplished or done. There was no path that they could have walked. But God himself comes and walks the path. And now this the, the announcement, the news of that, as it is heard and as the grace is understood, the grace is this. I deserve the punishment Jesus got. That I, the separation that the world experiences from God, that's, that belongs to me, but he's offered me for free to be reconnected with God, to have new life in him because he's been victorious over life and death. This is... This is the gospel. This is the gospel of grace. So how do you know you're a Christian? You know you're a Christian because you've heard this message and you've understood God's grace and it produces something in you, a new life. And it produces a fruit, which we're going to look at in a minute. Now, those things don't make you a Christian. Doing good and fruitful things in your life doesn't make you a Christian, but they are beautiful evidence of the fact that you've embraced and understood this good news message of what Jesus has done. But the first step in this whole process, for you or for anybody in the world, is that the message has to get out. The message has to go. Someone has to speak it. Somebody has to make it known, and somebody else has to hear it and understand it. Again, there's all this hearing and understanding language. Verse 5, talking about the faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up in you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. <clears throat> so they heard this message. Somebody spoke it to them. It, elsewhere in scripture, it says this. This is Romans chapter 10. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? You know, somebody actually has to speak it. And it, it happens to, essentially two ways that this happens sort of in the life, let's say, in the life of our church and our daily lives. Somebody could come to a place like this and hear the message of Jesus spoken so that they would hear it and perhaps understand it. So we can invite people, we can invite our neighbors, we can invite people to come to Church on Sunday, maybe you were invited today to hear this message. Maybe you were invited to something like an Alpha course, and that's a good thing, and that's a way you can invite somebody to hear this message spoken and proclaimed. But the other way to do it, and those are good ways, except the problem is fewer and fewer people are walking through the doors of churches. And there was a day where people you know, grew up in church and they would wander away and at some point in their life, they might get invited back and reconnect with their faith. But we live in a world where more and more people, they're not coming back to faith because they never had it. They never grew up going to church, so they have nothing to come back to. 
And it's, it's a whole, uh, it's really kind of a blank slate. And fewer and fewer people are likely to visit a church, although many are more likely to visit if they are invited. So that, that's a good thing. But the other way that the message gets out is that when we leave this place and go out and speak it out there, Well, what needs to happen is we need to see ourselves as sent people, that we are people sent. Again, as this Romans passage says, how can they preach unless they are sent? Do we see ourselves as sent people who are being sent into the world in our everyday to speak and communicate this good news message? Because that's where it all starts. All this other fruit, all the faith and the love and the hope, it only flows from the message being spoken, heard, and understood. That's the first thing. But the second thing is this. It's the fruit, of the, the fruit of the gospel, the growth of the gospel, is faith, hope, and love. Look at verse 4. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. And the, this is the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in you in heaven, for you in heaven, about what you've already heard in the true message of the gospel. There's these three virtues, faith, hope, and love, that grow from this. These, elsewhere in Scripture, the Apostle Paul and others speak of faith, hope, and love. These are sort of a shorthand for a genuine Christian, or what a genuine Christian looks like. They are the hallmarks, they are the evidences that the gospel has taken root and is growing and is bearing fruit. That gospel growth is actually happening. Faith, Hope and love, or in order here, faith, love, and hope. First is faith. Faith is this deep trust in Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished on our behalf. Without faith, you have fear. Ken Barnes is a new professor of faith and workplace ethics at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. He said this recently. He said, the opposite of faith is not doubt. It is fear. The opposite of faith is not doubt. Actually, doubt can be a good thing. Doubt can help us to search for what is true. Doubt, it really isn't the problem. <clears throat> the problem is fear. And when we don't have faith, fear rules. And when fear rules, you see things like striving and struggling to control the world around us. And in all ways of trying and grasping, and this, these are ways we try to put down our fear, but faith can extinguish fear. Faith flows from the gospel. That's the first virtue. The second virtue is love. Love flows from the gospel. And here, specifically, it's love for all God's people, which is a profound love. He said, I've heard about your love for all of God's people. That means God's people where you are and God's people in different places, God's people from different backgrounds, from different ethnic backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds and, and political persuasions. And there's, there's this unity and this love that people can have for each other in spite of the things that would otherwise divide them. This is the type of love that we need so desperately in our world today. And we live in a world, we live in a nation where it seems to be less this way. Where this type of love is harder to find. 
where people are becoming more divided along racial lines, along political lines, along socioeconomic, we, it seems that there's more division, not more love. Christians need to lead the way because this type of love for all God's people is a love that grows from this true message that we believe of Jesus Christ. So we need to lead the way of reconciliation. We need to lead the way. Our country has these values, values of equality, values of unity and working together and governing together as a people. But what, what's happened is those values were born out of the gospel and out of the lives of people who, where the gospel had taken root. Today, those same values have been severed from their root. So they're still good values. But they're like, I heard it described recently as, as if it was flowers in a, in a vase. And you have these beautiful cut flowers, and they look good, and people agree that they look good. But where do they come from? They've been severed from their root, and they look good for a season, but they will die. We need to reconnect to the root of the gospel, where these values come from, and where that love comes from. So for those of us who know the gospel, who know the good news of Jesus, and it's, we've understood God's grace, and it's bearing fruit. We need to lead the way to show the world that, that unity and that oneness can be known in a real way, and it has a deep and lasting root. It's not just a temporary thing, and it's not just a good idea. It is a good idea. It's much more than that. That's love. So that faith grows from the gospel, love grows from the gospel, and hope grows from the gospel. Hope is often less emphasized than, than faith and love. Faith and, more, faith and love are more, I don't know, popular virtues. But hope is crucial, particularly because we live in this kingdom that is at hand, but we don't see in all of its fullness yet. It's already but not yet. You know, Jesus came, the kingdom of God was at hand in his life, in his death and resurrection, but we will see the kingdom in all of its fullness when he returns. And we live in this in-between time, and it creates a tension. So we understand the hope of this kingdom, but we, don't, but we still see brokenness. We still see hurt. We still see violence. And there's, but we know that Jesus is going to come back, and there'll be a complete restoration. All sin and evil and all those things will be wiped out and judged, and, and Jesus will there'll be new heavens and a new earth. Where we'll be able to live in the fullness of the kingdom. And we have hope in that. And that hope is a powerful driving force in the life of the believer. Hope is not just a consequence of faith. Hope is not just a consequence of love. But here in this context, it's just the opposite, right? We have um, verse 5, faith and love that spring from the hope. That is the hope that's the foundational piece, and those other things are flowing from hope. So faith, hope, and love, these virtues, this fruit of the gospel is, it sounds pretty good to me. How do we experience it? How do we, if the source is the gospel, there's this beautiful fruit, how do we live into this? How do we, how do we think about this even tomorrow? And that's where we come back to our, sort of our theme for this season is the life on the 110. The rationale goes like this. There's 168 hours in a week. You can't change that. Of that, you'll be asleep for about 48 of those hours. Some of you need a little bit more sleep, I can tell. So 40, hopefully not this hour, but 48 of those hours you get some sleep. That leaves 120. 
Of those 120 hours that you are awake, you'll, at most, some people will do about 10 hours a week of church stuff. Coming to church on a Sunday, meeting with your small group, and maybe serving with a ministry in a soup kitchen, or doing something together with other Christians. That's 10 hours a week, let's just roughly. That leaves 110 hours when you're awake, but you're not doing the church stuff. How do we live out the truth of the gospel and the fruit of the gospel in the 110, in the, in the 110 hours? So life on the 110. How, how does this gospel bear fruit? It's the same, it bears fruit the same way as it did for them. It starts with the message being proclaimed. Who proclaims it? A faithful messenger, verse 7. Epaphras, or I say Epaphras, I don't know why I just made it. We'd have to ask his mother, but Epaphras, he, he was faithful to the message. He heard it from Paul and when he was in Ephesus, and he brought it to his town, and he communicated it to them. And Paul writes this letter to say, what Epaphras told you was true. He, the gospel, the good news message, that announcement, he was correct. He transmitted it accurately, and I know he did because it took root in its bearing fruit. I can see your faith. I can see your love for each other. I can see the hope that you have, or I'm hearing of it. The same thing happened for you. Somebody told you about Jesus and what he did. Maybe you heard it here at this church. Maybe somebody, a friend told you or a family member. For me, it was my mother. My mother was the first one to tell me who Jesus was and what he accomplished on the cross. And I understood it, and I understood the notion of God's grace, and I received it by faith, what Christ had done. But throughout my life, I, it was other people in my life who spoke that same message who embodied that same message, who lived it out that I could grow in it and know it more and more. Who was it for you? And again, if mature things reproduce, how can that message that was planted in you as it has grown, how can now it go from you to the world around you? How can you be a messenger of this news? Now, again, the old way was just try really hard to convince somebody to get to a church where somebody like me could say it. But again, fewer people are walking through those doors, so we go. We are sent from this place to go and to communicate this. Where do you start? I've used this before, and I ripped it off from a friend of mine, a pastor named Ryan. He's a pastor up in Maine. But um, he, he says it to his congregation like this, prayer, care, share. That's where you start. Prayer, care, share. First is you pray. You pray, Lord, who? Who today do you want me to communicate this truth to? Who, who am I going to cross paths with today, Lord? Show me. Guide me. Pray for one. Just get up. God, give me one person today. Or you can pray for six. We have a little uh, a resource in the rotunda. It's a bookmark. And you can just write the names of up to you know, six people on there, and just start praying. God, I pray for these six people. Show me how I might communicate this, the news of Jesus, the reality of what he's accomplished on the cross to the world around me so that they might know it and they might know the hope and the faith and the love that spring from that hope. So just pr prayer, prayer, prayer. It all starts with prayer. Care. Prayer, care, share. So care. And there's so many ways we can care for one another. Quick story. Uh, friends of mine just had a baby, and 
Somebody from, our, from the church, they go to the church. Somebody else from the church brought them food. They said, you had a baby, and here's some food for you. And, and the guy received the food, and he said, this is amazing. How do I, I, I this is great, we need food because it's the baby, and we're you know, going a little crazy. How do I be one of the people who brings food to other people who have babies? He said, well, yeah, you just, you know, there's an email list or something, and we'll get you on it. And he said, actually, that's how I got on it. I had an injury, and I was rehabbing from an injury, and somebody brought me food. And when they brought me food, I said, hey, how can I be on the food thing? So the guy who received the food yesterday uh, sent me a message, and he was blown away. He said, look, he said, listen, this is going to change our, the whole life of our church. And get ready, because it's really going to grow. He said, what if we just gave food to anybody who needed it? Outside the church, too. What if we just, what if you saw somebody who needed food and just gave them food? He said, this is, we can do this anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you know. The idea of Christians, you know, sharing food is kind of, it's not new. But it struck him. It struck him in a new way, in a powerful way. Seeing it and then wanting to be part of it and extend it. And so we pr prayer, care, share. We pray, but we can care for people. We can provide for their needs. We can just be present with people and love people through their stuff. And share. Prayer, care, share. You can share your story. At some point, somebody will ask, well, what is, what is it for you? What's your deal? What, what's your story? Well, let me tell you. I believe Jesus came to this world and God's kingdom was known in him and he accomplished something on the cross, and, I've, and I believe that, and it's actually done something to me. It's given me new life, and, and this is how I respond, and this is what it's doing to me. This is why I do what I do. And I don't do it perfectly, but there's something new that's happening. It's your story. You just share it. That's not a threatening story. You're just sharing what God has done in your life. That's a way of, of sharing it. Um, or you can, yeah, just speak the gospel. Or you can share an invitation. And I don't, I am not knocking, inviting somebody to come to this church to hear the gospel spoken. Um, we have people do that. That's actually a beautiful way. Hey, what, what's the deal? Well, come to my church. Check it out. You'll get a new Alpha course starting up in March. In England? March 5th. <laughs> my lip reading's not great. <laughs> yes, I understand. Um, Yes, the, you know, you can invite somebody to something. We, even, we just went roller skating last night, and people were just inviting their neighbors. Just be part of what we're doing. It was kind of, you know, it's, a, it's just a fun, you know, let's be silly and have fun together. But there's ways that we can share our lives and, and share invitations and share your story. And this is prayer, care, share. That's, when you get up tomorrow, you can think of it that way. Um, but the beauty of it is it's not just for us. It's all over the world. I'll finish with this. Look at verse 5. Nope, six. It says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it's been doing with you since the day you heard it. Truly understood God's grace. That we are part of God's kingdom advancing in the world. That as we leave this place, we are sent to the world to bring it with us. The gospel, the good news, hear it. Understand it. Understand God's grace. Cling to the hope that it is. May it produce the fruit of deeper faith in Jesus and a love for all of God's people.